comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Okay, so we started looking at Libras together with God, becoming an uncommon Libra with God. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, for we are Libras. You always want to read the New Testament, and one of the things when you read the letters of Paul, one of the things that comes out clear is who God has made us in Christ. Yeah, he's made us many things in Christ. He's made us ambassadors. He's made us righteous. He's made us wise. He's made us many things. But one of the things that he has made us is that we are to be laborers. Somebody say laborers. So he said, for we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. We are laborers together with God. It's a great privilege. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. To labor with God. Yeah, it's a privilege to labor with God. You are not just working, but you are working with God. There are some people, when you work with them, they are not at peace. They will trouble you until something comes out of you. Some people will use you and use you and use you and will not give you what you are deserving. Some people, you make a lot of contribution, make a lot of sacrifice for them. They will not even acknowledge it. Apart from not paying you well, you expect that they will even acknowledge what you are doing. They will not even acknowledge it. But when you read scripture, the Bible says, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love which you have showed toward his name in that you have labored for him and you are still laboring so when we labor with god there is guarantee reward somebody say there's guarantee reward anytime you labor faithfully with god there is guarantee reward that's why laboring with god must be exciting apart from the fact that he's the best boss you can ever get to work with praise the lord yeah he's the best of the best he also rewards us richly. Amen? Amen. Jesus said, the work is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And we said that there are several avenues we are called to labor with God. Before he came into verse 9 to talk about the fact that we are laborers with God, he made us see two kinds of laborers. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6 to 10. I planted Apollos, watered, but God gave the increase. So here, before he now introduces us to the fact that we are laborers with, together with God, he tells us he, Paul, is one of the laborers. Apollos is one of the laborers. And he says, my job as a laborer is to plant. Apollos' own was to water. And God's own is to bring the increase. And so whichever way you find yourself, there is something God is calling you to do. Are you here with me? All of us, there is nobody that has been called to just come and sit and watch. No. God has so much to be done in his kingdom that he can't afford somebody sitting down idly about. So in the book of 1 Thessalonians, he says, If there is any brother among you who works disorderly, 
not working at all. You should not associate with a person because God hates idleness. There is so much work to be done in his kingdom that everybody needs to be involved. Praise the Lord. Jesus told the disciples to pray for laborers. Somebody say laborers. If you don't have great work to do, you will need laborers. There are some work you need 10 people to do it. Some work you need 5 people to do it. Some work you need about 20 people to do it. Others you need 100,000 people to do it. Based on the quantum of work that needs to be done. And when it comes to the kingdom business, it's so much, it's so vast that the Bible says we should pray for laborers. And I pray that you'll become a faithful laborer. And we said that there are several avenues we can labor with God. One avenue we touched on, and we said that this man, Epiphras, was laboring in that field effectively. Colossians 4.12. Colossians 4.12. Epiphras, who is one of you? Somebody say Epiphras. He describes Epiphras for us. He says, Epiphras, who is one of you, a born servant of Christ, greets you always. Somebody say always. Always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So we looked at the man Epiphras and we saw that Epiphras can be any of us. Somebody say any of us. The work Epiphras did is a work that you don't need any specialist training to do. Anybody at all can do it. He says he's one of us and he's a servant of Christ. And all of us are servants of Christ. And his job was to labor. Where was he laboring? He was laboring in prayer. He was laboring in prayer consistently. He says, always laboring fervently in prayer. Laboring fervently in prayer for you. Laboring fervently in prayer. So there is a labor in prayer. Somebody said there's a labor in prayer. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a labor in prayer. That is not asking for give me bread. No, no, no. There's a labor. And he says, the focus of the prayer, the example is very specific. One, he labored always, fervently, always. And then the focus of the prayer was others. Somebody say others. Most of the time when people are laboring in in prayer at all, if they are even laboring, most of the time the focus is them. When we are praying about our own needs, we seem to be passionate. We seem to be zealous. We seem to have a lot of energy. But what Epiphras was doing was not praying for himself. He was praying for others and there was consistency, there was fervency, and there was dedication to the cause. Praise the Lord. He was praying fervently for them that they may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. All the will of God. All the will. Somebody came to church, he gave his life to Christ, and then he is growing and growing and growing and is rising up to become a giant. And people didn't know that what was making the person to grow and advance in the cause of Christ was the intercession of Epiphras. Epiphras was praying secretly that people would stand perfect and complete in the will of God. That was his prayer. And we said that all of us have been given that ministry. Somebody said we've been given that ministry. You see, we have to know the kind of work God wants us to do. And the work of God is not too many. The work of God is the salvation and the establishment of souls. Principally, that's it. It's not too many. Every other thing, all strings, singing, all of them, the ultimate goal is the salvation of souls, is the establishment of the saints, is the discipline of the saints. That's basically the work of God. That's it. 
That's the principal work that God will have us do. He says, all things are of God who had reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciliation. Ministry of reconciliation. That's the ministry he's given us. Second Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 20. Let's look at that in the New Living Translation. That's the ministry. That is the work. We are ambassadors and our business is to reconcile. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Okay? Where you belong to Christ, you are what? A new person. He says, the old life is gone and a new life has begun. Now, a new life also comes with a new assignment. When you come to Christ, you receive a new life, you receive a new heart. There are many new things we receive when we come to Christ. A new heart is given us, a new focus is given us, a new place is given us to inherit. We become citizens of heaven. So we have a new place, a new location. We'll pray from a new location. And we also have a new assignment. Praise the Lord. So a new life has begun. The new life must have a focus. What's the focus? Let's look at verse 18. All of this is a gift from God who had brought us back to himself through Christ and has given us this task. Somebody say this work. This labor of reconciling people to him. Verse 19. He says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of re what? Wonderful message of what? Reconciliation. Verse 20. He says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. When we plead, come back to God. Somebody say, we speak for Christ. Ask your neighbor, are you speaking for Christ? Some of us are speaking for MPP. Some of us are speaking for our old students association. Some of us are speaking actively for some family businesses. But are you speaking actively for Christ? He said, we speak for Christ. And that's what we want to focus on tonight. On common laborers in preaching. Somebody say, on common laborers in preaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where we partner with God through active preaching of the word. Look at what the Bible says in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to 16. He said, he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Somebody say, preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. See, there are some businesses eh, or some works and assignments. Every Christian has it. There are some jobs all Christians are called to do. One is what we saw with Epiphras. Two is what we are talking about now. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He did not just tell a few. He told all of them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. He says, I charge you before God. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. In other words, every time must be preaching time. Receive grace to preach every time. Amen. When you are sitting in the car going home, may you preach the word. Amen. May anywhere you find yourself, may you be known as a preacher. Amen. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. He said, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Apostle Paul is our principal example of an uncommon liberal in preaching. Praise the Lord. Look at how he saw himself. 
In the book of Romans, he describes himself in a number of ways. He said he's a debtor to the gospel. He said, I am ready to preach the gospel. I'm a debtor to the gospel. And then he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Romans chapter 1. Those are three things he used to describe himself. He showed his commitment as far as the gospel is concerned. When he came to the church of Philippi, he said, strive with me for the gospel. Strive with me for the furtherance of the gospel. So he was not just committed to it. He needed the people. And what an amazing church the Philippian church was. He came into active partnership. He said, when I went into Macedonia, no church came into partnership with me. When it comes into the business of the gospel, except you only. And amazingly, that church became a distinguished church. I pray that this church will be a distinguished church. Amen. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Apostle Paul was committed, personally committed to the gospel. Look at 1 Corinthians 9, 16. He said, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory in. It's not about me. I have nothing to glory in. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. That's how he saw himself. He placed himself under a curse. If I don't preach the gospel, let me be a cat. Passionate. Passionate. Romans 15, 20 to 21. Look at this. He says, and so I made it my aim to preach. Look at that. Is it not a good name to have? May your aim be to preach the gospel. Amen. All of us, we have aims, we have goals, we have dreams, we have ambitions. <laughs> but only God knows how many of us have heavenly goals. I like it when Apostle Paul was called to answer before King Agrippa in the book of Acts. And he says, oh, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Some of us, we are obeying everything else except things that are heavenly. We are called with the unholy calling. We are called with the heavenly calling. And we must not lose our heavenly focus. Praise the Lord. You are a citizen of heaven. So you can become so uh, enamored with earthly affairs to the extent that your heavenly assignment is lost out on you. No, it can be. Praise the Lord. If you be reason with Christ, set your affection on things above and not things on earth. Are you here with me? Yeah. That's our assignment, our primary assignment. When we get carried away with everything else other than our primary assignment, we fail. You see, when you go to school and you have primary courses to do, or elective courses to do, and core courses to do, and you major on the minus. You can pass all of them, but you can't progress. Am I communicating here? You can't progress because that which is most important, Paul said, one thing is needful. One thing I do. Jesus told them one thing is needful. It's not many things. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things shall be added unto you. This is a business. My aim is to preach. My aim is to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's. This man had a great aim. May God give us that kind of aim. Amen. My aim is to preach the gospel, not where people are preached. I'm not hunting out to meet people who are already in church to invite them to my church. No, I'm looking for raw people. Engage them, get them saved, and get them established. Said, I'm not looking for a place where people have already gone there to preach. My aim is not to preach on what I'm, I want to begin on a neutral ground, a clean ground. Praise the Lord. That's how the gospel traveled through the hands of one man all through Asia into Europe. One man. Look at 21. He said, But as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see. And those who have not heard, shall understand. 
Praise the Lord. So apart from prayer, one of the platforms that we have to partner or labor with God is through preaching. Preaching, 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 preaching. When in Mark chapter 16, he told them, verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now when you go to verse 20, 20, the Bible said they went everywhere preaching the word and the Lord working with them. So they came into, they were laboring together with him. When they went, the Lord worked with them. There are things when you do, God is naturally committed to you. Lord, I am with you always. Listen, God cannot be with you in certain places. You have to understand that. When he said, Lord, I am with you always, it was tied to something. It was tied to the assignment. Matthew 28, verse 18. He said, all power in heaven and on earth is given unto me. Give me Matthew 28, quickly. Matthew 28, verse 18. All power in heaven and on earth is given unto me. Therefore, verse 19. Therefore, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Verse 20. And he says, teaching them to observe whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end. As you keep this assignment, I am with you always. Praise the Lord. As you commit yourself to this assignment, I am with you always. Listen, you have to understand that preaching is foundational for the salvation of souls. Preaching. If people are going to be saved for real, it is preaching. They need to hear the message. Give me Romans chapter 10, verse 1 to 15. Let's read a few things here. Romans. Let's see how. This is why preaching is so critical. Romans chapter 10, verse 15. The New King James Version is fine. My heart desire and prayer for Israel is that they might what? They might be saved. They may be saved. Now go to verse 2. He said, For I bear them witness that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Verse 3, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness. <laughs> they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Okay. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now verse 5, he says, for Moses writes by righteousness which is of the law, the man who does these things shall live by them. Verse 6. He said, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this wise. Do not say in your heart, who are sent into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from heaven, from above. Or who descend into abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. Verse 8. He said, but what does it say? The word is where? Now you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Verse 9, look at this. But if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be... I think we should note that. Take me back, verse 9. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. What do you confess to be saved? Your sin? What do you confess to be saved? The Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus. We don't confess sin to be saved. We confess Christ to be saved. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So when you engage somebody and then you are leading the person to Christ, the right confession to make is to confess Jesus Lord and not sin. The confession is the lordship of Christ. When you confess him, salvation is given in no other name. 
not in your sin. Salvation is given in the name of Christ. When the name is confessed and believed, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be. This is the gospel. Praise the Lord. This is what? The gospel. As the book of 1 Corinthians describes it, I think 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The gospel is that Christ died, Christ was buried, Christ was raised. So when you believe that and you confess that, then salvation becomes a reality in your life. Now go to verse 10. For with the heart, one believes unto what? Righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Now let's go to verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever. So one, he showed you how a person comes into faith in Christ. You have to. The word must come to you. When the word comes, you have to respond to it. Then he says, Whoever believes on the Lord shall not be put to shame. Go to verse 12. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all who call upon him. Verse 13. He says, but whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anybody that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But this is where preaching becomes primary. He says, for how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? You know, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do to say, say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, blah, blah, blah. Then he says, how shall they call on him whom they don't believe? How shall they believe in him they have not heard? So you need to have faith, which brings you to a point of believing. But faith comes by what? Hearing. So you have to hear. And how shall they hear without a preacher? So you can preach all, you can pray all you want for a person. If you don't find a way to engage a person with the gospel, salvation is far-fetched. Praise the Lord. Yeah, they need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the gospel. That's why when you are even preaching for the unsaved, there is a specific way you pray. You don't just pray, Lord, save my mother, save my father. It will never happen. It doesn't happen like that. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Because it's not that, Lord, save my mother, save my father. It's not today God is going to save them. He saved them. The price has been paid already. He has obtained eternal redemption for all of humanity. Where we read, he said, God has reconciled all men unto himself. And he has given us, the assignment we have is not go and save people. The assignment we have is to go and tell people they have been saved. Are you following what I'm teaching here? That's our assignment. Our assignment is to let people know that the price has been paid for their salvation. So they need to respond. God is not counting people's sin against them. The sin problem is solved in Christ. What people need to do is to put their faith in Christ. And then they are God's property from that moment. Praise the Lord. So he says, how shall they hear without a preacher? The preacher must go. Somebody must tell them. And that's why you and I come in. How shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of uh, peace. Who bring glad tidings of good things. Verse 16. He says, But they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Praise the Lord. So preaching is something that is foundational for the salvation of men. And preaching, let me tell you, preaching is not the work of spirit. Angels don't preach. Yeah, angels don't preach. Angels don't preach. One of the unique assignments that God has given to men to do is preaching. 
One man was praying. His name was uh, Cornelius or so. Is it Cornelius? One man like that. He was praying all the time. God visited him and he said, send for an angel. Actually, it was an angel who actually visited him and told him, send for Peter. If the angel could preach, he would have preached to him. The angel said, send for Peter. When he comes, he will tell you words by which you shall be saved. In other words, I as an angel, I don't have those words. That's a privilege you can't take for granted. You are the only people God has entrusted this business to. That's why Paul took it so personal. He said, if I don't preach this gospel, curse be me. Because he knew that he was involved in something that was eternally relevant. When the whole nation was saved through the preaching of Jonah. Jonah, God was angry with the city about to destroy this. He sent Jonah to go and preach. When he preached the whole city, everybody came to salvation through the preaching of Jonah. When Jesus came, salvation came. Jesus preached to individuals. He preached to corporate people. He sat in the boat of Peter. He used it to preach. Times on mountains, he will be there in the wilderness preaching. When he's all alone, he meets a Samaritan woman and he's preaching. At any point, just like Paul said, preach the word instant in season and out of season. At the time he met the woman, he was actually hungry. He was supposed to be waiting for food. But he got lost in that work. To the extent that when the people came, they were amazed. Oh, somebody brought him food to eat. Then he told them, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. The energy was too much. May you have an energy for preaching. Some of us have energy for watching TV. You can watch TV like, ah, like this. You sleep, you open your eyes and watch. You sleep, open up. By the time you are going to bed, your neck is paining you. I wish that you will sleep and open your eyes and read your Bible like that. Amen? Amen. Yeah. When you pick your Bible and you are reading and you do now, many come make that. You see? <laughs> but when you are watching something else on TV, some of you can even get up, go wash your face and come and continue. Ask your neighbor, are you ashamed of the gospel? Preaching was so important that in the book of Philippians, Paul was talking about the fact that no matter what people's motive, I mean, I read that text today, I was shocked. What the man, <laughs> let's read it. Philippians chapter 1, verse 15 to 18. I was shocked. He says, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy. He's talking about motives here, right? Then he says, and rivalry. But others preach about Christ with pure motives. Then he goes, they preach because they love me. For they know I've been appointed to defend the good news. Because when Paul was arrested, some people were happy that he had been arrested. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition and sincerely intending to make things more painful to me. But look at this, look at this. This is what shows how powerful preaching is. He said, but it doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached. Can you imagine that? The message, Christ must be preached under any circumstance. Forget about their motives. Oh, this sister, I think is not correct. She's not living well, but she's the one who is preaching all over the place. You who is living right and doing all, you talk to no one. Praise the Lord. He said, I don't care whatever. Once Christ is being preached, I'm happy. I am happy. Christ is being preached. Christ is being preached. Receive the anointing to preach. Amen. Six reasons why you must preach the gospel. Number one is that 
preaching the gospel is one of the primary reasons for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You have to understand that the Holy Spirit was given you to preach. Somebody say, I have the Holy Spirit so I can preach. One of the primary reasons for the anointing of the Holy Spirit is preaching. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has anointed me to work, to be a doctor, to be a pharmacist. He's anointed me to preach. He's anointed me to preach. So before we use the anointing for anything else, we must use it for preaching. In the life of Jesus, how did he use the anointing? He used it to preach. You remember the day of Pentecost? When the day of Pentecost was fully come and the Holy Ghost came, what did Peter first use the anointing for? To preach. That was the first thing he used the anointing for. It is the primary reason for the anointing. Jesus told them in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come and you shall preach. Talk about me. So when you are filled with the Holy Ghost and you don't talk about God, I don't know whether it is the Holy Ghost or something else. Because the Holy Ghost, his one primary thing he will drive you to do, he fills you with compassion for lost people and he inflames your heart with the passion of the Christ. So you have to. That's what happens. When the Holy Ghost is upon a man, he will talk about Christ. He will talk about Christ. He will talk about Christ. In fact, they were so full of the Holy Ghost. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 29. This was when they were had been given a warning. Now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servant great boldness in great boldness in preaching your great boldness in preaching your word. Start from 29. The New Living Translation says, Now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servant great boldness in preaching your word. Great boldness in preaching your word. Receive boldness in preaching. See, some people, they are bold for foolishness. When I was in the university, there were people, when we were going for Katanga, we were going for procession, they were bold about nonsense. Praise the Lord. BWT. Ah! <laughs> yeah, Katanga. Bold about foolish things. Some people are bold. But we need boldness to preach the gospel. When you say, let's go and talk about Christ, maybe I'm shy. <laughs> receive boldness. I say, receive boldness. Say, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant. After this prayer, look at this. The meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled. When they prayed for boldness, the Holy Ghost came to fill them. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit that empowers people to preach. If you want to grow in anointing, preach. Turn to your neighbor and say, preach. Yeah. Preach. 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 Number two, preaching releases the power of God for salvation of mankind. Preaching releases the power of God. That's why you must preach. Preaching is the primary reason for the anointing. Preaching is a means through which the power of God for salvation is released. Somebody say the power of God for salvation. Say the power of God for salvation is released through preaching. Yeah, when you preach, when you preach to your neighbor, your colleague at work, you are sowing the seed of the word. It may look like nothing is happening, but something is happening. Something supernatural is happening. As you are preaching, the power of God is released. The power of God is released. 
God will be dealing with the heart of the person. Sooner or later, you will see, the Bible says, I am not ashamed, Romans 1, 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation unto everyone that believes. There's power in preaching. When the word is preached, power is released. I see power released. Amen. I said, I see power released. First Corinthians 1, 18, he said, For the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. When is the word becoming power? When it's preached, power is released. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are unsaved, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. It's the power of God. First Corinthians 15, 1 and 2. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you receive and in which you stand, by which you are saved. If you hold fast to the word, I preach to you unless you believe in vain. By which you are saved. When the message is preached, people have opportunity to be saved. Number three, preaching is an important medium through the Holy Spirit uses to convert sinners unto salvation. That's why we need to preach. It's an important medium the Holy Spirit uses to convict people. Convict people. We are told in John 16, 8, he said, and when he is come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. He will convict. The conviction comes when we preach. When we preach, the Holy Ghost uses the word. You know, the word was uttered by the Spirit of God. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. When the word goes forth, the Spirit of God is released. Praise the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is released and conviction comes in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, 38. And when they heard, somebody say, when they heard it. Yeah. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They heard something. They heard something. What they heard, they were pricked in their heart. And then said, Peter and to the rest of the men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said, repent. What shall we do? They were convicted. Why? Because it's my word not like fire. Do you remember that? The word of God is like what? Fire. In the book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, it said, for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's quick and powerful to bring conviction and transformation to people. Number four, preaching generates faith in the heart of sinners for salvation. This is why you must preach. Preach because preaching generates faith in the heart of sinners for their salvation. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Salvation is free. It's a gift of grace. But you cannot assess it without faith. The Bible says, for by grace you are saved through faith and are not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That is Ephesians 2.8. So you have to respond. How would the faith for salvation come? When the word is preached, when the word is preached, faith in Christ is released. And then a person responds and the person comes into faith in Christ. That is what happens. Preaching inspires or stirs up faith in people for salvation. In the book of Acts chapter 8, verse 12. Look at Acts 8, 12. Acts 8, 12. Receive the anointing to preach. Receive the anointing to preach. Receive the grace to preach at all times. But when they believe, Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, 
Christ. They were baptized, both men and women. 14.8. And there sat a man at Lystra. Okay? Important, and it's being crippled from his mother's womb, who had never walked. The same, now look at this, verse 9. The same head, the same head, the same head, Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. He had Paul, faith came, and he got healed. I see you preach everywhere. Amen. I said, I see you preach everywhere. Amen. Number five, preaching and teaching build new converts spiritually and nurtures them onto maturity. So, preaching will bring you salvation. Preaching will also bring you into maturity and discipleship. Preaching, preaching and teaching. When you are taught the word of God, Romans 16, 25. Now to him who is able to establish you, are like this, who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. So you are established. Preaching establishes people. Teaching establishes people. Colossians 1, 28. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect or mature in Christ. When we are taught, when we are preached unto, we grow into maturity, we grow into perfection. Acts chapter 20, verse 32, he said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them. So you are saved, but you need to be built up. How else are you going to be built up? By the word of God, through the teaching and the preaching of the word of God. In the book of 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. The milk of the word is the basic doctrines of Christ. You grow on that one. And then, number six, preaching is a critical witness for the return of the Lord. Somebody say preaching. preaching. Say preaching. preaching. Yeah, preaching. 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 The Bible said this gospel of the kingdom, Matthew 24, verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall what? Be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, then the end will come. Receive grace to be a preacher. I said, receive grace to be a preacher from today. In the name of our Lord Jesus, stand on your feet and begin to receive grace. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you join us again and again. You are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service.
and on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. No, no.